Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. It's a weird weather time of year, isn't it? You have these, uh, you have the foggy days, and then you have another cold blast. Good news about this particular new uh, round of cold weather is it's not going to get as low as they uh, originally expected it to be. So we'll be taking, you know, uh, highs in the 60s, <clears throat> lows in the 40s into uh, past uh, past Mardi Gras. So that's 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 good. It's going to be it's going to be some some great weather and a very slight chance of rain. So hope everybody enjoys themselves as they go out and indulge in the wonderful parades that we have here all across coast of Mississippi. Uh, but today is Friday, so it's a Jeff Duncan Day on Coast View here at Super Talk 103.1. So without any further ado, let's bring my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune in. There's a lot to talk about and just say good morning. How you doing, buddy? Ricky, I'm doing great, man. Another uh, interesting week in New Orleans sports. It is. Hey, I noticed for the uh, for the Facebook and YouTube audience, they can see this, and the Super Talk TV audience, uh, but for the radio audience, they can't. Obviously, uh, you have your Team Gleason uh, shirt on. You have a unique relationship with Steve, don't you? Yeah, it's. Uh, I've known him since he started with the Saints, Ricky, in two thousand, which is exactly when I started covering the Saints. So we're, our our careers kind of coincided, and we managed to stay. Uh, friends and, and and close after his retirement. And we're actually trying to work on a book project together right now. We're really excited about it. And even better, tonight in Hermes here in New Orleans, we're, we're marching in the Team Gleason group. Steve will be rolling in his wheelchair uh, in the parade tonight. So we're really excited about uh, the opportunity to get to see all the fans out on the parade route. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I know it's gonna be a great experience. I am uh, I am not surprised to hear that you're working with Steve on a book project uh, for a, a number of reasons because his story, as you well know, it's just not another story of ALS. It's it's a story of resiliency. It's a story. It's a story of wanting to make his mark. It's a it's a story of wanting to give back, and of love and affection for the city and his family and his friends. Man, this story is a big story, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It's not. Uh, Steve was adamant about that when we started the project. It's it's not a football book. It's not going to be an ALS book. I mean, a lot of those books have been written, and they're frankly kind of sad. Steve's story is not sad at all. I mean, he's in his eleventh year of his diagnosis of ALS, and he and his family are thriving. And it's just an uplifting story. Kind of the power of the human spirit. And I don't know anybody in my career that has inspired me more than Steve uh, beyond the football field. And is, you know how how much respect I have for Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton and the coverage I've made of them. 
But there's nothing like Steve Gleason. No story I've ever encountered. Even Drew Brees would tell you that. There's a reason Drew Brees was so inspired by his his story. And Steve's touched lives all over the world. Uh, he's had a bigger impact on this earth than uh, as a as a ALS advocate than he has as a football player. It's not even close. So I think that's one of the things that drives him and keeps him going. In addition to, of course, his lovely family who uh, Ian and Michelle have raised two kids since he's been diagnosed. And that in itself is an incredible story. This is so special. By the way, when we went to the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina and watched that incredible game against Atlanta, the feeling in the in the dome was unlike anything I have ever experienced before. It was just electric doesn't even describe it. And of course, when he blocked a punt and changed sort of the course of history for that game and sort of created this symbolic moment for for the New Orleans and this ultimate resiliency coming back from this incredible disaster. Little did we know that was just the beginning of an incredible journey for him. And, and, and it's, it's just incredible to see how he's risen above it and, and he intends on making his mark and he's nowhere near done, is he? No, and look, I think sometimes people forget, Ricky, just how good a player Steve was. I, that kind of gets lost in his other incredible story of his journey with ALS, but uh, he, I've, I've argued for him in the Saints Hall of Fame, in addition to his playing ability, obviously the impact he's had uh, in the community here in New Orleans and the Gulf, Co Gulf Coast region, but um, he was a great player. I mean, he was the special teams captain for multiple years. He's the all-time leader in the organization and blocked punts. He blocked four punts. Uh, that's a lot of punt blocks. I mean, it just doesn't happen. That's a very rare play uh, to happen, and it didn't happen by accident. It happened because he studied and he was such a force as a special teams player. He was a great player in college. He played at Washington State with Ryan Leaf, and they went very similar in some ways to Drew Brees' story. Drew Brees took Purdue to the Rose Bowl the first time in 60-something years Purdue went, and they haven't been back since. They're not close to getting back. And Washington State went to the Rose Bowl with Steve Gleason and Ryan Leaf, and they hadn't been in like 30-something years, and they haven't been back since. So you see, like, there's a common thread there among great players, great leaders that allow themselves, or they elevate their teams. And Steve did that at every level, including the NFL. Well, we'll, we'll move on from Steve, but I'll just say this last thing, the documentary on his um, deterioration. And the way he accepted his fate and the way he prepared himself technologically to be able to communicate and all of that. I mean, what an imp what an incredible inspiration he is to say that, you know, ultimately what's on the inside, what we possess on the inside, what what's in our heart and soul is what defines us. And he literally is is telling that story every day that he wakes up and makes his mark. And I'm glad to hear that you're working with him on that book. Okay, so look, let's, we'll shift gears. Man, there's a lot of news in, out there now. We'll come back to the Saints because we've got free agency. we got other moves that are being made by our new coach, et cetera. But I'm really intrigued by the stories that are coming out today and the last day or two around Zion Williamson, who was supposed to be the savior for the, end, for the entire uh, franchise they were going to build around it, this mega superstar you saw when he played, what kind of mark he could make. He gets a foot injury. And it's been kind of downhill since then. So what's going on, Jeff? Yeah, it's a really disappointing story. Uh, it, the dam kind of broke on that situation this week, right? I mean, we'd all been kind of 
following it and wondering what the heck's going on. I think the fan base, the local media, the national media, it's a, just a confounding situation. Um, Zion Williamson's not the first player to rehab away from his team. I mean, that's not in itself entirely unusual. But what's clearly unusual in this situation is there's a disconnect between Zion Williamson and his, if lack of a better word, camp and the organization. There's just not a lot of communication going on. They don't feel like they're on the same, they're not on the same page. And that is troubling and I think has to be worrisome, not only to the organization, but to the fans who've, you know, kind of bought into this whole new uh, regime, this whole new uh, uh, platform that, that Zion Williamson was going to bring here. And uh, I don't know if it's repairable at this point. It's a very serious situation. They've got to get together on this. Uh, his foot, Ricky, is just not healing. There's a bone in his, in his uh, right foot, uh, fifth metatarsal, that has uh, just struggled to, to repair itself. It should have been it should have repaired, been repaired and healed all the way back in October. And here we are, you know, in, in February, and he's not even close to getting back on the court. So I don't know what the end is going to be in this, but right now there's a lot of work to be done to try and repair the disconnect between the two sides. What's interesting about mine and your past conversations about him is, and it just sort of will lay this kind of as a foundation for maybe some of why we're where we are today. And that is that Zion Williamson, when he came to the team, he's a young dude, man. I mean, how old was he when he joined the Saints? Uh, well, he was probably... I mean, excuse me, Pelicans. 19 I mean, years old, probably. Yeah, 19. Okay, so he's this young dude. He really didn't get into the party scene. You know, you saw a lot of uh, initially, you know, on Instagram and Facebook, you know, hanging out with Drew Brees and his sons and doing whatever he did there. But you you, you reported that he liked to kind of hang out at home and, and uh, play video games or whatever it is he liked to do. He was a big dude to start out with. So as as you have talked about before, it's, it's hard for big dudes in the NBA, given the wear and tear on their bodies, to really stand the test of time. So he was going to have to be unbelievably focused on his fitness, et cetera. So with the foot injury has come gaining weight and all the other issues that go with that, that combined with immaturity, how do you, how do you turn this around? Yeah, that's a great point because he's had these lower leg injuries, right? He had a knee injury at first. And then this is now a foot injury, and that prevents you from doing a lot of cardio work, which for a guy with his unique physical stature, his frame, uh, you know, his dad was a defensive lineman in football at college in North Carolina. And so he's built like a football player, and, a, and his mother was a track athlete, so that's where he gets that explosiveness, the rare blend of athletic ability. And he has to always maintain his weight. That's a problem, but he can't burn it off uh, when he can't get on the treadmill and do cardio work because of these injuries. So it's, you're right, it's, it's kind of been a convergence of these factors and the fact that his foot's not healed. Uh, you know, foot injuries are very common in the NBA. You know, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan's had one, Kevin Durant, go on and on. It's not unusual, but it's unusual for a guy his size to have it and it's complicated the entire situation. Well, Wolf, I'll finish this part of the conversation about about uh, uh, Zion Williamson when we come back from break, and we'll also talk about the latest on the Saints with as it relates to free agency and who we might lose and who we might gain, and some of the speculation about that when we continue our conversation after the break with Jeff Duncan. 
Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Jeff Duncan with us. Uh, we're talking about everything sports, but we're talking about this really interesting story. It's, a, it's an unfortunate story for the Pelicans, I might add. Uh, related to Zion Williamson and his foot injury, and what's what's kind of gotten in the if you go look do a search on Zion Williamson, what you get is just an incredible number of headlines. One from Deadspin says, "What the hell is going on in New Orleans?" And you've got Bleacher Report and Yahoo Sports and a wide variety of all of all of them are reporting about because he's a, he's a national figure. And uh, but the reality is, there's been zero. I mean, very little. I mean, he's reached. I think there's been one conversation or something like that with the teammate. But essentially, there's not been any kind of intermingling with the team at all. How, what is that all about? I don't know. I think that's where we need to hear from Zion Williamson. I think one of the biggest issues in this whole mess is that he's really kind of cut off ties with everybody in the organization, and including. Uh, some of the high-up executives who tried to talk him into uh, having some press conferences and giving updates uh, and keeping the uh, fan base, I think, informed. That's a, that's an issue. Look, I think the organization has to shoulder some of the blame. There's been a lack of uh, transparency in this thing, and I think that's what's led to a lot of the frustration and confusion from the fan base. And that's who I feel for most. I mean, the Pelicans fans have been through the ringer with the Anthony Davis situation, Chris Paul, it seems like as soon as another savior comes along, uh, they end up you know, wearing out their welcome here, and, and we start over again. And the fan base, I think, deserves better. And I think Zion Williamson needs to understand there's more to being a pro basketball player than just putting the ball in the bucket on the court. I mean, there's when you're the face of the franchise, that comes with a responsibility and an obligation, not only to your teammates and your coaches, but to the organization and to the fan base, to the city of New Orleans. And so yeah. uh, I think that's an area that he needs to grow up in and mature. And it's a lot on his plate, but he's not the only one. He's not the only 21-year-old uh, who's been put in this situation. And I think it's been kind of mismanaged by him and his camp. Sounds like you're about to write about it. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I'm actually writing a column <laughs> uh, that'll be in this weekend's Times Picayune because it's the big, biggest story in town right now. Uh, I, I think I go back to the first game he played, Ricky, uh, it was magical that night. He finally got in the game against the Spurs. Uh, he, you know, he missed most of his rookie year. And he comes in the game and ends up scoring 22 points in 18 minutes. And he hit four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. This barrage of threes, which was not his game at all. It came out of nowhere. And it was just a magical night. Uh, the crowd was going crazy. They ended up losing the game. But, man, it really got people excited. You started to think about the future and the possibilities uh, that Zion Williamson brought to the organization. And it's just fallen apart so quickly. It's very, very frustrating, I think, for everyone involved. And it, look, I think it can still be repaired, but it's going to take Zion Williamson and his side and, and the organization meeting in the middle and hashing this thing out. And it's unfortunate it's gotten to this point. It's so 
it is unfortunate. We, we won't wear it out, but when you think about bringing Willie Green in and had a new general manager, and the reason why you brought these guys in was because you wanted to be able to connect with the younger players, especially players like Zion Williamson, and to th- for them not to really even get a chance. <laughs> you got to pull it together and make him part of this long-term strategy. That's really disappointing. Hey, one la- last thing on the Pelicans before we move away from them. Uh, they just engineered a big trade. You think that's going to strengthen the team? Oh, no question. C.J. McCollum, was, he's one of the 50 best players in the NBA. Uh, he's exactly what they need, a great outside shooter. They've been lacking. They rank near the bottom of the league in that department. But more than that, he's a veteran guy that they need in that locker room. I mean, Ricky, he's the president of the NBA Players Association. You don't get that role without having the respect of your peers. They vote you into that role. And uh, I think he's a great uh, resource for a guy like Zion Williamson. If I'm Zion Williamson, I'm willing to listen to everything C.J. McCollum says. Put yourself in his hip pocket and learn how to be a pro. So I think that was a great addition for this team. Now, it's it's it hasn't manifested itself in the wins and losses. They're one and four since McCollum came on board. That's because they're trying to adjust on the fly here to different roles and figure out yeah. rotations and all that. But they'll get there. That definitely is a long-term fix for a, a problem they've had for a while. Well, it would be interesting to see what role C.J. McCollum plays in getting – you know, what, what role he plays officially and unofficially to bring Zion Williamson back into the fold. Clearly, he's going to play a part in that. Anyway, let's move over to the Saints. Man, it's we're, we could lose some big names, couldn't we? Well, free agency is going to be coming up here uh, down the road, and uh, it's going to be upon us pretty quickly. And, yeah, we'll find out what, what the organization's plan is. I mean, this is the time of year where they start making that offseason game plan where Mickey and, and Dennis Allen now will – figure out what the musts are, what the wants and the needs are, and they'll try to address that to-do list. And I'm sure at the top of that list, it's going to be figuring out the quarterback position, whether they want to bring back Jameis Winston and run it back with him, or do they move on, try and find another quarterback? And what do they do about left tackle with Teron Armstead, who's easily one of the strongest leaders on the team, one of the best players on the team, but has been often injured and is now an unrestricted free agent is going to certainly command top dollar if he gets to the open market. Those are the biggest issues going forward. There's also guys like Quan Alexander, Marcus Williams. We don't know what's going to happen with Malcolm Jenkins. So a lot of a lot of issues to address this offseason. Big time issues. I, I hope, you know, it is it has been frustrating with Armstead. When he's in the game, he is incredibly important to the game, but he has been injured a lot. Some speculation that he could go to Miami, but who knows? Who knows what's going how that's going to play out? Hopefully, um, hopefully the Saints can make it work, and uh, we can we can keep him. What what you you know what you see just in general from the new head coach? Well, I like what I'm seeing so far. He's trying to put his own stamp on things, especially with this coaching staff. He's kind of overhauled a lot of the offensive staff. Uh, I expect him any day now, and by the time this comes out, he may have already announced that. They're, they're probably going to name co-defensive coordinators with Ryan Nielsen and uh, Chris Richard, the secondary coach. I'm not, that's not really a big deal, I don't think, because the defensive coordinator is going to be Dennis Allen. I mean, he's going to call the plays. But offensively, they named Pete Carmichael. Uh, and I think that was an interesting move because Pete Par- Carmichael was going to step back into a lesser role. And I think they liked they didn't like necessarily the fits of any of the other people they interviewed. So Pete Carmichael will be the offensive coordinator. 
And I like that Dennis Allen is trying to be his own man right now. He's always going to be compared to Sean Payton following on his footsteps, uh, but he's got to forge his own identity and put his own stamp on this team. So, I mean, look, there are, there are going to be a couple of big names available out there. The question is whether the Saints can afford them or not. The others have a lot of baggage attached to them. When you consider where Jameis Winston was in his maturation at the team, if they were to decide to stay with him, that wouldn't be a terrible move, would it? No, not at all. I mean, they know that they won last year with Jameis Winston. You know that you you can win at a certain level uh, with him. I think he played well during his short stint. I think the question is, can he still play at that level after the severe knee injury and without Sean Payton uh, in his ear as the, as the offensive coordinator, basically? I think those are big questions. And it's not a knock on Jameis Winston, but if one of these other elite quarterbacks becomes available via trade, we're talking about uh, Russell Wilson or maybe Aaron Rodgers or the Deshaun Watson, do you view that as an upgrade and dive in head first to the deep end of the pool at quarterback because you know that is an upgrade at quarterback. So those are the questions and answers that they have to find here in the next few weeks uh, as this uh, landscape kind of sorts itself out. And here's the other thing, Ricky, I think we all have to realize, it's not just the Saints out there looking for a quarterback. There's top right. teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger's retired. That's an elite organization that knows how to win. The Tampa Bay Bucks without Tom Brady, that is a roster built to win attractive place to play in the South, they're going to be in need for a quarterback. So you're going to have major competition, even if one of these top quarterbacks does become available. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be so, so dynamic. Um, if you think about, um, you think about the, the issues of, of Deshaun Jackson, is that right, Jackson, Deshaun uh, Jackson? Watson. Deshaun Watson. Watson. I, when I said it, it didn't sound right. Yeah, well, of course, Watson. Think about his legal issues. What kind of risks are associated with, with a player like that, uh, given that some of the stuff is not resolved yet? Yeah, I, I don't even think he's available right now because of those issues. So that really is something that would have to resolve itself in the next few months, and I'm not sure it will, to be honest with you. So I think that's a long shot to see that come to fruition. Uh, yeah. I think he's most likely going to end up back in Houston uh, with that new regime. Um and I'm not sure that the Saints would even have interest in Deshaun Watson, given the baggage he comes yeah. with. So yeah. uh, I think more than likely, in my experience, Ricky, these elite quarterbacks don't become available. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson don't get out of their own buildings. I mean, why would Drew Brees ever leave the Saints, right? We would think that's crazy. And the same thing goes on with those guys and their markets. Uh, the whole league is looking for guys like that. You don't let them walk if, if, if you can avoid it. Yeah, I can certainly see the scenarios around around um, how, how our famous Green Bay quarterback may end up in in in, uh, in Denver. I can certainly see those scenarios, but but you, you're right. I mean, we thought he was going to leave last year, and he didn't. And look what he did. So Aaron Rodgers is the real deal for sure. Whether you like him or not, he's incredibly talented. Yeah, I think a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo is more realistic. We know he's going to be moved from San Francisco. And I think the question is, how much does it cost? And what is the market for him? Because like I said, other teams are going to have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. You can plug him in. He's a proven winner. In a roster like the Saints or the Steelers or the Bucks. you're going to pick right up and probably stay in playoff contention with him at quarterback. 
So I think that is a more realistic option than uh, Aaron Rodgers. It's been great catching up. We'll see you next week. Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. When we come back, we have David Houston from the Orb Museum. We'll see you after this. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.